You can get it done. What's more, you gotta get it done. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. Let's get the gleam, all right? Let's go. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. Hey, guys, where else would you rather be? Welcome into Hour 2 of Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Or text Rick and the show at 744-2990. And now your host, the Big Dog, Rick Watson. The Baker Team Hotline, text line 744-2990. Anything that might be on your mind. Andy Bitter comes up at 735. We'll talk more about the importance of what uh, Virginia Tech did yesterday, extending their entire football staff with raises. Need a little mandolin here on a Thursday. We got it for you. Alex Square, I'll be in the studio. The Radford University head baseball coach. Baseball season, college baseball season starts a week from tomorrow, the 16th. And then uh, Dwight Vick, second half of the show. So we started talking about um, <laughs> John Goodman and what a disaster Blues Brothers 2000 was. So then people started sending in when they got it right, and we had two different people talk about cheers when they replaced Coach with Woody. And obviously, you bring in Kirstie Alley to replace Shelley Long. See, the only way it works is if you just totally go the opposite type of character. No show did this better, to my recollection, than MASH. Remember MASH? Anybody MASH fans out there? Still to this day, I believe, the best written uh, dramedy, right? It was based on a very serious subject, but one of the best uh, characters in television comedic history, right? Hawkeye Pierce. 
Alan Alda was just brilliant in that role. But anyway, you know, you had your original cast. And still to this day, one of the saddest television moments ever was when uh, Henry Blake, who got his orders to go home, was um, killed off at the end of that same episode when Radar walked into the operating room. He didn't have a mask on. He got yelled at, put your mask on, and he said, I have a message. And he said, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Henry Blake's plane was shot down over the Sea of Japan. It spun in, and there were no survivors. And then it shows a slow pan of the operating room, and you hear, you, you hear um, surgical instruments drop on the floor. A very powerful powerful scene but anyway and McLean Stevenson said before he passed one of the biggest mistakes he made was uh, leaving MASH he thought he was going to get into better roles and things like that but in any event you bring in Colonel um, Colonel Potter comes in Harry Morgan and it's completely obvious he was regular army but it worked so well same thing when Frank left, they brought in B.J. Honeycutt. Totally opposite character. Awesome. Frank Burns leaves. They bring in Charles Winchester. Right? And it works so well. Not only a competent doctor, but arguably a better doctor than Hawkeye. I mean, so you have to go the opposite. So any of you out there ever write a sitcom and you make it big... When you have your main actors leave for other gigs, make sure you replace them with somebody who's written in completely opposite. The total opposite of everything (laughs) goes back to Seinfeld, the opposite episode, my favorite episode. But I can't think of, like... (sighs) Trying to think off the top of my head, especially... Most of the time, TV failed miserably when they replaced main characters. Most of the time. I can't think of any others that were was actually improved upon when the original characters left. Those might be the only two I can think of. Ah, here we go. Love MASH. Watch the reruns whenever I can. One of the top five shows ever. It still makes me laugh to this day. I'm just reading the text. Message. Yeah, it does. It holds up. Very serious subject matter, but at the same time, they had some of the best one-liners written of any show. Scenarios. And they were very... They were groundbreaking in the sense of that scene that I just mentioned when Radar goes in. The rest of the cast was not told, it was the final page of the script. The rest of the cast was told, okay, we're going to come in here and uh, we're going to film this. Gary Berghoff, they said, Gary's going to come in uh, with his line and you guys just react. Well, nobody on in the cast knew that the line was going to be that Henry Blake had died. So that reaction that you get was real. The tears that are flowing are real because the relationship they had with the actor McLean Stevenson, right? 
to think about that character being killed and then what it meant, him being gone. So they wanted the realism. Alan Alda said, that tear that you see stream down my face was absolutely real because none of us knew. And how brilliant was that? You're looking at the mid-70s here. And they did that for a lot of their scenes. Most of the time it was to set up comedic gags, but they did not share the final script with the rest of the cast. I thought that's just, that's awesome. Tiffany Amber Thiessen for Shannon Doherty, Beverly Hills 90210. <laughs> was that an upgrade? Was it? I, I never watched that show. I, I don't know. Oh, here's, here's 100% fact. Greatest TV show ever that blew it was when Don Knotts left Andy Griffith. Absolutely 100%. That show became unwatchable. I have not, I don't watch the episodes when he left. You talk about failing miserably and really a lack of effort because we found out later on that um, Andy Taylor, Andy Griffith, was fairly jealous of the popularity of of Barney Fife. I mean, it was all about him on that show. We've talked about it. I mean, if you read some of the things about the way he treated people on the show, that's why he never could find, like, a female partner. He had a bad real-life show breakup with uh, Ellie. Peggy was supposed to have a longer role, and he fired her. And he ends up with <clears throat> Helen Crump because they were together in real life behind the scenes. Wink, wink. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Phil Hartman, when John Lovitz, who was a really close friend of Phil Hartman's, came in to replace him on news radio. Absolutely terrible. Terrible. Yeah, the, the office was even worse. And look, I love James Spader. But him coming on when Steve Fair, uh, when uh, Steve Carell left, absolutely. I had three different people talk about how bad the office was after Steve Carell left. Yeah, yeah. A lot of arrogance there from the writers and the producers to think that was going to work. Sometimes characters are just too strong. They are the show. Everything that's around the show fits. It's kind of like a, a sports team, right? Starting quarterback is what makes it go. You lose that guy, you, the rest of it doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. Somebody just said uh, two and a half men when uh, they fired Charlie Sheen and they put on Ashton Kutcher, unwatchable. Oh, yeah, it's god-awful. It's god-awful. Wayne from Ohio, Spin City, when uh, Charlie Sheen came in from Michael J. Fox. But that one actually did work because they went the opposite, right? A little bit. Yeah. You got to go the opposite. I, it's interesting, though. It's good conversation. Good conversation. But it just fits into sports, right? You can't lose that cog. If you lose that cog, you lose your team. You lose that main character that brings the rest of the show together. You lose that show. That's why, you know, Virginia Tech being able to keep this coaching staff intact. That's, you know, you're keeping the main you're keeping the main characters on the show happy and intact. 
See how it all ties together? But yeah, uh, you just, if you're going to replace characters, go the complete opposite. Just don't even try to cast someone. And I, for one, I'm going to double down on uh, Rebecca Howe. That was her name, right? Kirstie Alley. Cheers, which I was already a big fan of, got even better, in my opinion. I mean, a lot better. When she came on and the way she handled Sam and, and everybody there. It was a brilliant character. And by the way, Kirstie Alley, nothing wrong with that. No, I'm not going to go the opposite tomorrow. I'm going to ignore the George Costanza advice, Wayne. So you're going to go the opposite tomorrow on uh, All Request Friday and play people's requests for Dave Matthews Band. Taylor Swift. No, no, won't won't be doing that. Won't be doing that. I can only take my doing the opposite so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a guy at work last week. Say, hey man, I hear you always dogging Dave Matthews. What's wrong with Dave Matthews? I said, all right, we're sitting here in your office. Go to your Spotify. Just just pick one. Pick one. So he picked, I don't know, I don't know the songs because I, I can't stand them. And he's sitting there, and then Dave starts singing. And he goes, you know, I don't think I've ever noticed how bad of a singer he is. I said, yeah. Yeah. It's pretty grating, isn't it? They'd have been better off being an instrumental band. So this was somebody who was defending all the Dave Matthews songs. Then he started listening. I said, listen to more of them. Then get back to me. Let me know what you think. (sighs) See, you were told they were cool, right? Because they were popular. You were told that the college radio was playing them, so you got to listen to Dave, right? No, no, you really don't. (laughs) Make your own decisions. All right. What's great, too? Seth MacFarlane hates Dave Matthews, and you'll see it on Family Guy. There are several jokes about the Dave Matthews band, and I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, we're coming back. Andy Bitter in about 15 minutes. We'll get into what it really means for Virginia Tech now, securing their coaches long term. I mean, Virginia Tech football is shooting up with a silver bullet, folks. And I know it's long overdue for many of you. We'll be back. Caught Lola and I took her back to my place Feeling guilty, feeling scared Hidden cameras everywhere Stop! Hold on Stay in control Girl, I want you here with me But I'm really not as cool as I'd like to be Cause there's a red under my bed And there's a little yellow man in my head And there's a trick Stephen writes in for peak Kirstie Alley. Make sure you check out the movie she was in with Mark Harmon called Summer School. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah, that was around uh, 
I guess shortly after her Cheers run. Yeah. Yeah. She was the uh, love interest for Mark Harmon in that movie. It's a terrible movie, all right? The premise of it, but still. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about, Steven. <laughs> Peak Kirstie Alley. That's funny. 744-2990. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Good way to put it. Look, we, we've already talked about Lindsey Buckingham's nether regions and what Stevie Nicks called it, so anything goes today. Andy Bitter goes in about eight or nine minutes. We'll talk to him about all this with the tech football. Good stuff all the way around. And you should feel great. And you know what? It's okay to feel great about it. Be optimistic. You're heading into year three. They finished on a high note. Now, granted, we know that that bowl game was skewed quite a bit because of what wasn't there for Tulane. And when you hear about Michael Pratt lighting it up, At the Shrine Bowl, and now he's probably going to be right behind that big tier of quarterbacks because he impressed so much. It would have been a different ball game. It doesn't mean Tech wasn't going to win, but again, we talk about taking out main characters and shows and whether or not you can carry the show. Well, Tulane found out you take out Michael Pratt, it's not the same franchise, not the same football team. But you should feel good about Tech. They kept everybody. Everything right now is on the up and up. Everything Brent Pry has been preaching and talking about every time he's come on the show, every press conference clip, this is what he's been building toward, to have momentum within the program. And no matter what you say, and before you get ahead of yourselves predicting about where tech football might end up in 2024, there's no denying, no questioning, even for those who are anti, there's no questioning the momentum that is built behind this program right now heading into the spring session. And I credit the coaching staff from top to bottom. They, they steadfastly stood by one another even when things weren't going well. And no, they haven't pulled out. They haven't accomplished anything yet, right? They haven't. Seven and six isn't this overwhelming accomplishment. But it is a sign that everything is pointing in the right direction. And you know... How bad it was in the Justin Fuente era, especially the last couple, three years. You know what was going on. We've documented it. It's come out. Everybody kind of understands now just how god-awful that was. And to have to come in and pull this program out of that fire, not an easy thing. They're not out of it yet. You can temper your expectation, but boy, you don't have to temper with how excited you are of what's been accomplished so far and where it's going. And the thing about it, you're tech football fans, so you already understand all this because you're the smartest fan base and the most enthusiastic and knowledgeable fan base that, uh, that really college football, it's right up there. Like I said, I'm going to put it up there against top five against any fan base college football in the country, even with everything that's going on in college sports. So feel great about it. Go into the spring happy and smiling. Can't wait to see what might materialize you know, a couple more positions in the portal. Watch Kyron Drones continue to improve in this offense with these receivers all back, right? You should get excited. Gallo coming back. You finally get to see Ollie Jennings wearing tech colors. Man, think of the possibilities, what it's going to look like. Lane on one side, Jennings on the other. Bayshaw tooting back there. Better offensive line. 
a quarterback that is a legitimate college football weapon that will be a story talked about, not just here within the ACC region, but nationally. Right? All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and we'll get into these things. Coming up with Andy Bitter after this. come back. Alex Square in studio coming up, and then uh, Dwight Vick a little bit later on. Joining us now on the program, he's the senior staff writer, lead football beat writer for Tech Sideline. His name is Andy Bitter, and we never hate ourselves for loving A.B. Good morning, Andy. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? Doing okay, man. Doing okay. Uh, Well, big news, right? Uh, This whole entire coaching staff being rewarded. Good thing. And uh, why is it so important for Tech to do this right now? Well, it was important for a couple of guys because their contracts had expired on January 1st. So, well, <laughs> true. Does it out a little bit. Uh, I mean, they needed to do it just for recruiting purposes more than anything. I mean, you like to have uh, some sort of continuity and some sort of uh, plan out for a couple of years like that. But mm-hmm. it's also, re- you know, reward a staff for a job well done in the season. Again, to a bowl game, winning a bowl game. Uh, you look at the money figures on it, it's not the, a huge increase. I think it's around like 4.8% or mm-hmm. something like that total to yeah. the total staff uh, numbers. But there's some retention bonuses in there if they're on the, on the staff uh, March 1st, a year from now. So, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, this they did a pretty good job last year. You like to keep them in place. And, you know, nobody left for, for different jobs after this year. So there's a lot of continuity right now. Crazy how the vibe changed. You know, one in three, we heard from so many people who were saying this guy should be replaced or that guy should be replaced, and now here they are uh, secured down the road. It, it just shows you, like you said, how much they did improve throughout the season, and this is a product of that. Yeah, and if they start off slow again, I think you'll have the same chapter that you have this year. <laughs> if this guy needs to be replaced, that's just that's the business they've chosen. That's what, what happens with that industry and if uh, you're struggling people are going to talk about how you should be fired yeah well and much like they've gone in the portal and you know recruited wisely and how they've done that like you said this is not outrageous money so they're doing this uh, wisely but also subtly so another smart way to go about this i think yeah well, i think part of it is you know what's the demand right now is anybody knocking down the door trying to get these guys? I mean, the one guy who was marketable like that, Fontel Mines, who uh, uh, at least drew interest from Penn State last year, got a sizable bump last year. I think mm-hmm. it was like 125 to 400-something. And, and he got another 
uh, you know, additional raise on, on top of that this year. So uh, really the salaries are driven by demand out there. And if you're an in-demand coach and somebody's about to poach you, like, hey, I have this other opportunity, what can you guys do for me here? That's when you really see the big jumps uh, in salary. So, you know, this was a group that very much was tied to Brent Pry when he hired them. I mean, it's a lot of uh, guys that he'd known from his past. Uh, you, know, you know, Tyler Bowen never been a coordinator. Chris Marv had never been a coordinator. I don't know if any other schools were hiring these guys in those positions. So, and that works to tax advantage too, that they don't have to you know pay these guys over the top salaries. It's not like they're bringing in some uh, you know established coordinator from somewhere that they have to pay two million dollars or something like that. Absolutely. Well, I mean, and it just goes. It's, it continues the the long line of retention that they've had, not only with personnel but now with the coaches. And, and I've been trying to you know tell Tech fan a lot of them when they they comment on things they they're they're kind of cautiously optimistic i say you know what enjoy where you're going i think where you should be who knows what it's going to look like at the end of 2024 but going into this thing they should feel pretty happy right with the trajectory of this program right now yeah i, I think a lot of tech fans are kind of like shelter pets where like they've been through some things before <laughs> that like just like i don't know i'm pretty leery of this i ain't gonna have to uh, be proven that this can be a comfortable situation before I just you know go out there and fully embrace it. Like they've been burned before in this situation over you know over the last ten years, you know really since this program has, has taken a dip uh, in the last decade plus. So uh, this optimistic feeling that everybody has uh, going into February and into it, it, you know into the off season here, I mean it's just. It's something where they've been there before, they get their hopes up, and then the season doesn't go as planned. So I, I think that's why everybody's kind of looking at this like, yeah, I feel kind of positive about the season next year, <laughs> but how many times has that ended in 6-6 six and six anyway? Shelter pets. Oh, I'm totally going to use that, by the way. I'll make sure to copyright you on it. Great stuff. Andy Bitter joining us on the program. He is the senior staff writer at Tech Sideline. And... Um, I've had, what, one, two, three, four different text messages want me to ask you your take on, I guess, what people have picked out of this offense that's coming back, the offensive line. Uh, how do you feel about it personnel-wise? And if there are any changes, what are you looking at? It? What, how, well, how would you grade the offensive line, at least on paper, coming into the spring? You know, B-minus, maybe. I mean, I, I don't think they were great last year. But they ran for 300 yards three times. And you don't just do that without some kind of blocking in front of you. And everybody's like, oh, the scheme and the misdirection and drones and the running backs. It's like, okay. They did run through some holes. It wasn't perfection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously it doesn't need to be perfection for you to, to gain yards uh, with the way that the offense was set up. So, uh, you know, I think you look at the tackle spots and those guys that have played for a while and Parker Clements for a couple of years, I think he could be better, but he's pretty experienced there. And they seem to like him. Xavier Chaplin on the left side. I think, you know, the guard spots are maybe where you could see Montavious Cunningham step in somewhere. Right. Uh, you know, Brody Meadows uh, uh, and uh, Braylon Moore kind of swapped spots on the left side, Bob Schick on the right side, maybe Montavious could slide in on the right side. I'm not sure exactly where they're slotting all these guys. Cade Moore back for a second year at center. He, he you know has that experience under his belt. Uh, you know, look at offensive lines. I think where they really get in trouble is when they're just all inexperienced. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
when they're all really young and they're not really developed uh, physically as much as they will be by the time that the end of their years. And this is still a group that, you know, I think Clements and Moore are the only seniors in this group. So, uh, you know, they could still, you know, there's potential for growth, uh, both physically and, and mentally in this group along, along the way here. So I, I think they'll be better. I don't think they're going to be this, you know, they're not going to be a Joe Moore winning award-winning club, but yeah, I think they'll be better. And he, on top of that, you know, Ron Crook got here like three minutes before spring ball started last year. I mean, talk about being thrown into the fire. Uh, you know, it was a very uh, you know short amount of time to get accustomed to the group that he was coaching. Didn't really have time to add people in the transfer portal. I think, you know, giving him an actual full off season with this group and um, bringing in a transfer and guys are a bit older. I think it should be a better group than it was last year. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, he had to implement some things very quickly and, and change some ways of thinking and things ways of working and scheming and, and also the fact they just have one quarterback now. They don't have to worry about switching <laughs> what their mindset might be and having two different guys control the huddle and two different styles of play. They know who their guy's going to be, and that's how they finished strong last year. Yeah, that, again, it goes back to continuity. And yeah. you're going to hear that word, continuity of yeah. the roster, continuity of the staff, continuity of quarterback. I think it's, it's that all plays in your favor uh, when a lot of teams are playing the shuffle every year. Absolutely. Well, you did something that's a lot of fun, and I loved reading it, but uh, for our listeners, and I know many of them are, are already subscribers, but you went back and looked at the 2019 signing class. We're looking at five years ago. It's hard to believe. What kind of uh, things did you uncover once you did a deeper dive into that recruiting class? Well, it wasn't a terrible class. I mean, I had, a, a, I think, eight multiple-year starters when you include the transfers out of that group. Mm-hmm. But you look at the top end of it, and that's really where a lot of people first go when they look at these classes. And just nobody made to the finish line here. Uh, I think the top eight or nine guys all transferred or medically retired or washed out in some way or another just – uh, you know, Jaden Payute was the, the top-ranked recruit in the class, and he had a medical disqualification, never could stay healthy, had one career catch, a, a diving catch in the pinstripe bowl. And that was a guy that they thought had huge potential at receiver and could be this really athletic star on this team. Doug Nestor, Brian Hudson transferred out of here after their sophomore years. Uh, that was a pretty big loss to the offensive line. You look at some of the troubles they had, on the offensive line here and then the receiver room. And it can almost be directly tied a lot to this class where they just kind of whiffed on a bunch of guys. Uh, J.R. Walker was another four-star that just didn't really materialize as a factor on this defense. I mean, there's just a lot of high-end misses, either through the portal or just didn't work out that, uh, you know, you got to hit on some of these guys from these classes to really, really make an impact on the program over the long haul. Yeah, that's a great, I think, the differentiation there. Like, Yeah, you do have some guys who did well, but, boy, when you miss that many of the top guys that you were highlighting, hoping were going to be just major contributors, man, that that's very telling, isn't it? Yeah, and there were better guys down the line. You know, Norrell Pollard, Mario Kendricks, Josh Huga, Nick Gallo. And there's a lot of multiple-year starters in that whole thing, but I think you start to see – uh, you know, the recruiting started to slip a little bit. This was a year they had four blue chippers in the class, and uh, none of them made an impact uh, in their junior, senior years at Virginia Tech. That's tough to do. It's tough to have a class like that. They had 16 blue chip guys in the previous two classes. So 
you can already see, you know, starts of sliding in, in how they're doing with in-state, how they're doing overall in their recruiting evaluations. Uh, you know, not to spoil too much on the 2020 version next year, but I think that is the nadir there. That is when it gets to the, the bottom of the uh, 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 bottom of the heap there because it, it's not a pretty class. Top end wasn't good. In state wasn't good. It was just a uh, it was just a mess. And this is sort of what you know does in Fuente in the in the long haul. That sort of hampers Brent Pry's rebuilding efforts in the first couple of years that he was here. Andy Bitter joining us on the program. He's the senior staff writer, lead football beat writer for Tech Sideline. Hey, I want to ask you, uh, before we let you go, this um, this whole bundle news, I guess it's inevitable things like this were going to happen, the big conglomerate that was announced between ESPN, Fox, and Warner. What's your take on that? you think this is going to be a, a situation where fans are going to have to choose at some point? And well, I don't know, what was your initial reaction to seeing this? I guess, again, we're not real surprised to see something like this develop. Yeah, I guess my reaction is I have to pay who now to just to watch sports? Yeah. Like, I'm already watching sports. Now I'm going to pay more to watch more sports? Like, come on. They have enough things like this. Like, you knew that they, they were going to get their money back when the, the cable uh, bundle kind of fell on, went under, and everybody's like, oh, I'll stream on this service, I'll stream on this service. And they're like, okay, they're going to get the band back together at some point, and they're going to get their money and this is how they're doing it. Um, it's just annoying. You know, I have YouTube TV. I get enough. I get all the sports channels on that. Absolutely. Now I got to get something else and I flip know. it over. And that's the part I really dislike is when there's a bunch of games on and you have to flip over between two things. It's like I have to change the, what I'm watching it right, on. Right. Like if you're on one thing, you can change the channel pretty quickly. It was like now I have to go to Amazon and put it on that, and then I lose my place in the other game. Like it's just it's just annoying. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I'll pay for it because you know I'm a rube and I gotta you know, watch sports. <laughs> so I mean, they, they already have my money, so it's not like it's gonna affect me too much. But uh, I don't know; it's just obnoxious. There's so many things, hoops that you have to jump through to watch these games, and then uh, you know, oh, I gotta get this for the regional sports network, and then they black that out anyway, or they don't even carry it. It's like it's just obnoxious. I just want to watch the games. Could somebody make it simple for yeah, me? Yeah, absolutely. No, I'm with you. I think that's pretty much the way that people have chimed in feel about it too and plus there's so much extra cost i mean people have enough trouble trying to pick one and pay for just the one basic service and now you're asking who knows what it's going to cost but you got to figure it's going to be at least one of those 39.99 49.99 deals right they said it's going to fall between 20 and 69 because they looked at youtube tv and your basic service so it's going to be fairly pricey i would guess yeah i think i saw it was 50 a month or something like that i think i saw that somewhere i don't know if that was like a tweet, so I'm oh, not okay. sure if that's accurate. But well, probably is. Yeah, it's a lot of money to throw on to the, the top of this whole thing. But yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I mean, they, they, they have to find their money somewhere in these TV deals, so that's how they're going to do it. Yeah. All right, so what do you got? Uh, what's your focus on now? Because I, I love stuff. I love it. You do a good job of picking out some cool things to keep people enticed during the uh, slow season. Uh, I got a mailbag coming today. I'm going to be doing some basketball stuff here over the next couple, next month, uh, just helping out in that regard. Uh, still trying to get prize, so hopefully we get an off-season update uh, with him at some point. But uh, every week is a surprise. Huh? <laughs> I don't know how it's going <laughs> to go. True, true. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, have a good weekend. Who you got in the uh, Super Bowl on Sunday? Uh, I think I have to root for the Chiefs. 
Otherwise, my daughter and my wife might disown me. They will be cheering for Taylor Swift's team. So, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, yeah, I think just to align our rooting preferences, I'll have to wager some money on the Chiefs to win this one. I like him as the under, you know, money line dog. I always take that. Right, right. All right, man. Well, listen, enjoy the weekend, and we'll talk again next week. All right, sounds right. good. There you go. That's uh, Andy Bitter, the uh, the lead senior writer for uh, Tech Sideline. Good stuff from him. Check out that if you haven't checked it out already the uh the 2019 recruiting class just a couple things there not even andy who said he would have to buy it's excited about this so he said he saw it was going to be 50 bucks that's what i've been telling you right 49.95 is gonna be one of those for that new bundle and again when you go back and look at some of these recruiting classes this is why i said and you know a lot of people were like no no but this whole thing about falling in love with high school recruiting rankings why it's just a fool's errand how many of those top guys all of them didn't work out yeah they had some back-end success to that recruiting class but the portal the portal speaketh and i think has overtaken the whole high school excitement thing about recruiting we'll be back to wrap up hour two remind you what's ahead in the power hour Starting free safety for the Buffalo Bills, former Virginia Tech Hokie, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Go Hokies! Pearson Prelo, one of the guys that uh, got a big raise yesterday on that coaching staff. All right, good stuff as always from uh, Andy Bitter. Dwight Vick at 835. We'll ask him why this is such an important development for Virginia Tech. Good breakdown there of Andy in the offensive line. Feels like the guard positions could be one of transition, but tackle center, your anchors, pretty good, pretty good start to your offensive line development for the new year. Alex Ware going to be in studio coming up. He's head baseball coach at Radford University starting year number two. Lots of uh, new faces on the Radford roster. Very difficult non-conference schedule. College baseball gets underway a week from tomorrow. (laughs) It's craziness. A week from tomorrow. So, it's here. And we'll get an update on the team. Great environment down at uh, Radford Baseball Stadium. You had to come on out. Williams Field. It's just a, a beautiful facility. Summer night, you've got the river in behind the, uh, the stadium back there. Picturesque setting. I mean, it's a really, really nice atmosphere. Come on out. Free admission. Come hang out with us. Yeah, baseball season kind of eases you. College baseball season, anyway, right? Eases you right into the warmer weather. It's always a good vibe. So we'll talk with Alex about his team coming up here in 2024. Power Hour, straight ahead here on the program. Don't go away.
Welcome back.